What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is your Tuesday edition. September the 8th, we roll along through another week of NBA playoff action. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a HoopBall presentation. Hoop-Ball.com is the website, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter, or at HoopBallTweets, if you want to see everything that's going on over at HoopBall. And right now, all the things uh, churning out, on the Hoop Ball Network, the box score breakdown with David Bracey. An episode first thing this morning just posted. DFS Today posted last night a Clippers recap of the Clippers win over the Nuggets posted last night as well. Brandon Marcus, the fantastic host of Hoop Ball Clips, had Chris Merch on to break down the conclusion of Clippers win over the Nuggets. We'll, of course, talk about that game a little bit later on on today's podcast. And uh, let's see, Stephen Williams has your DFS delivery, the written piece that's free during the playoffs. It's part of our premium package for next year, if you actually wanted to get involved in that. And of course, uh, Santino and Steve have the DFS Today pod from last night. So lots of good stuff still at Hoop Ball every morning. Strongly, strongly recommend you guys check that out. And uh, today in sports betting, that should be coming out, I think, in the next couple of hours as well over on our at Hoop Ball Gaming Network. At Hoopball Gaming is the Twitter handle for that. Hoopball Official is the Hoopball Instagram page. If you haven't followed that already, again, that is Hoopball Official. Let's just do what we've been doing on this podcast at this point. I think today's show will be a tiny bit shorter, although we'll wait and see. If only because yesterday's games, I don't feel like revealed a ton about uh, potential changes or plans going forward. We'll talk about tonight's ball games first. Miami is at Milwaukee. Miami favored by four. On the technical road, this is game five in that series, so this will be a Milwaukee digital home crowd on the the video boards around the the arena. Of course, the big question going into this game is the status of Giannis Antetokounmpo, who turned his ankle a second time in that game four win in overtime, didn't finish the ball game. He played just the first 11 minutes, was uh, humming prior to hurting himself. Giannis had, what did he have, 19 points in 11 minutes or something crazy? Yeah. 19 points on 8 out of 10 shooting in 11 minutes. He was steamrolling Miami. Um, The line, if we're just reading the tea leaves here, the line being Miami by 4 seems to indicate that Giannis is not going to be playing in this game. But we will wait and see. He didn't look like someone that should be playing in two days when he left the arena two days ago. Of course, the other side of this equation is it sounds like the next NBA season is not going to be starting in December, probably more like January. So if indeed Giannis does play, 
The big fear, of course, is something that keeps him out for a calendar year. But if it's an aggravated ankle sprain that they're worried about, and I'm, I'm doubting that that's really the main focus at this point, there, you know, a loss here, and you probably have, what are we looking at here? One, two, three, four, four months ish. It's probably four months to the start of the next regular season, roughly from now. So who knows? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All we can do is look at the information we have in front of us. He's listed as questionable and a game time decision, but the line, which is available, it's not off the board. This is the kind of game where you'd think, you know, if they, there really was a lot of confusion over Giannis, this feels like a line they would probably just leave off the board. But odds makers know they're not getting an answer on Giannis until right before game time. There's positively no reason why the Bucks should tip their hand until the teams take the court, you know, nine minutes before the ballgame starts. Simple fact that they're holding it back, to me, says he's not playing. Because Boston has game planned this entire series for a, a Milwaukee team that's Giannis-centric, putting up their, or excuse me, Miami, I should say, not Boston, has put up a wall on Milwaukee every time Giannis has brought the ball down the court. So I think what the Bucks are doing is saying, look, we probably don't think he's playing. But we got to keep this under wraps because we don't really want the Heat to completely adjust their game plan for uh, Chris Middleton offense. Now, that said, you know, Middleton hit a bunch of shots in that last ball game. Miami is the, the better team at this point. They've been playing better throughout the series. They most likely finish the series today with or without Giannis because if he plays... He's not playing at full speed, and that's probably not great for the Bucks, particularly on the defensive side anyway. That gives Miami a tiny advantage. And if he doesn't play, well, then the Bucks don't have their best player because he's hurt. Either way, Miami's in the driver's seat. They're favored by four. I don't think I can touch the side in this ballgame. I don't think I can touch the total because I really don't know how the, the tempo changes. Remember, when Damian Lillard was ruled out for the Blazers and he left the bubble... That next ball game became a prototypical one team, the better team, the Lakers, not taking the lesser team seriously anymore because they didn't have the guy that was floating them. When Dame went out, the Lakers were like, okay, yeah, we can just, we'll sleepwalk through this one. We'll just take care of them by being better than they are over 48 minutes instead of trying to turn them into a pulp the way the Lakers did games two, three, and four in that series. They were trying to grind Portland into dust. And then in game five, it was like, all right, well, we'll just outshoot them. So if Giannis doesn't play, you might get a little bit of that we'll outshoot them mentality from Miami. I don't know. I mean, they're a, they're an exceedingly well-coached team, and Jimmy Butler doesn't seem like the type to to take his foot off the gas for more than a couple of minutes. And it might have even been in that last Ball game when Giannis went down when the Heat took their foot off the gas. So I want nothing to do with this game before the action begins. I think, uh, you know, if you get word that Giannis is playing and the line jumps in Milwaukee's direction in any meaningful fashion, I might take the Heat at that point. Like, if I can get the Heat at closer to a pick that would be something I'd keep an eye out for. But I don't think Giannis is playing. We'll see. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm just sort of I'm reading the tea leaves here. I don't think Giannis is playing and I don't think I'm touching this thing before the ball game begins. I'd be very surprised if I did. I'm much more interested in the other ball game tonight. The Lakers favored by uh, anywhere from four and a half to five and a half over the Rockets, depending on what what book you're at. The more public 
sports books. The Lakers are a five and a half point favorite at the more uh, at the sharper sports books. The Lakers are a four and a half point favorite. Teams betting on the underdog Rockets. I am a Laker fan, which makes it very hard for me to say the following. I don't think the Lakers win this ballgame. And if they do, I think it's at the closing bell. I think we do finally have, I don't say a good ballgame, because I think the first two have actually been a lot of fun, even though the Lakers got whipped in the fourth quarter in the first game and then came back and kind of did the beating in the fourth quarter of game two. Both of those games were actually relatively tight uh, at certain points. They were tight enough. You know, Lakers got out to a big lead in the first half of Game 2. Houston came back, took the lead in the third quarter. So that game was close going into the fourth. Uh, game 1 was close uh, about halfway through the third quarter. That's when the Houston Rockets started to pull away from L.A., uh, and the Lakers never really bounced back. Here's what, and I have a lot of thought, thoughts on this particular series because it's the one that I'm making sure to watch every second of the ball game because, one, money to be made, and two, Laker fan, hasn't been able to watch his team in the playoffs in uh, a half dozen years. On the side, on the side, I think the Rockets cover because I don't think that they, I don't think they expect the Lakers to make the same quantity of shots they did in game one. Yes, or game two, excuse me. Yes, here's here's the counter argument to that. Yeah, a lot of the Lakers shots were high percentage looks, putbacks, AD uh, mid-range jumpers over guys seven inches shorter than him, where basically he's just taking uncontested 15-footers at that point. And at the, you know, he's a guy that's going to make probably about 60% of those. So, you know, AD shooting 62%, 63% is actually not that insane against this Rockets team. Even LeBron going, what was he, 9 for 17 in this one? 10 for 17 uh, in game two? Even that is actually uh, something he could replicate. Those are not the guys that I think are going to see differences on a game-to-game basis. It's all the other dudes. Rondo, 10 points, 9 assists, 5 steals? I don't think so. I don't think so. And a 3-pointer? I mean, the mid-range jumpers were great for him, but 4 for 9 is actually better than I expect. Keefe, 6 out of 8, including 4 3-pointers in a single quarter. No, not going to happen again. I don't care if he's completely wide open. He's not shooting 75%. Kuz, 6 out of 7, including a 3-pointer. Yeah, a lot of his looks were right in front of the rim, so there's a little bit of that going on. But he's not shooting 6 out of 7. Danny Green is probably not going to shoot 3 for 6 and hit 3 3-pointers. The Lakers' supporting cast, with the exception of Caruso, who didn't really get involved on the offensive end in Game 2, all overperformed their expected marks. Like I said, LeBron, AD, those guys are so good against a micro-ball Houston team. Those guys are so good at getting the looks they want. LeBron getting the switches, so he's working on Daniel House and Russell Westbrook or even Eric Gordon or Jeff Green, basically so he's not dealing with P.J. Tucker or Rob Covington. Yeah, he's going to just take those guys, and he's going to go right through them. Lakers are going to try to move bodies around so LeBron doesn't have to face a packed paint. If he does, you'll see a kickout. You might see more of that. You might see the Rockets daring the other guys to beat them a little bit more in Game 3. Same deal with Anthony Davis. If he's going to get a clean 15-footer over somebody 7 inches shorter than him, he's going to take those shots. He's going to get good looks. He's going to get offensive rebounds because he's by far the biggest and most athletic dude on the floor in this series. And it's not close. 
Like there's rockets don't have anyone that can reach up into the sky where Anthony Davis can reach up into the sky. JaVale McGee is questionable for this game with his sore ankle. He's actually really helpful for them at the start of the first and third quarters for basically keeping the Rockets from just racing out and bombing three-pointers. On the other side, and again, this is all going to lead me to a theory at the end of this. On the other side, the Rockets had so many open looks, it was crazy. They had 22 three-pointers, and it wasn't that weird. You know, it wasn't that weird that Eric Gordon hit six three-pointers, Tucker hit four. Okay, so maybe P.J. doesn't go seven for ten in this ballgame, but Covington hit four three-pointers, House hit three. These guys were wide open. You know, Gordon and Tucker in particular were wide open on their three-pointers, and they made them. They made them. Houston at 109 points is pretty close to where I'd expect to see them. But the Lakers at 117 was too high. That number was too high. Neither team took that many free throws in the last ball game, which I think is probably better for the Lakers, since we know how much the Rockets, and Harden in particular, who did take 13 himself, but they do rely on him getting a bulk of his points at the free throw line. Lakers have decided to make this series uh, as much non-Harden as humanly possible, and they got burned by that in the last ball game. So my questions going into Game 3 are, do the Lakers have their rotations a little more locked down to where some of these flash double teams they're sending at Harden don't result in two quick passes and a Tucker or Gordon wide-open three-pointer? You can't be doing that. That's too easy. Something simple the Lakers could actually consider trying would be uh, trying to slow the Rockets bringing the ball into the front court. Just shorten their shot clock by two, three seconds so you're not chasing quite as long. Because for the Rockets... If the Lakers don't do something wild, like send a double team sprinting at Harden, he's going to try to get a switch. You know, He's going to try to move so that he gets a big man on him, which is not so much because uh, he loves facing up on Anthony Davis, but because he knows that if he gets past AD, there's no one behind him. There's no rim protection then. So that's going to take a few seconds. Lakers can fight over one screen, and then maybe the next one they get, they get the switch. And that's going to take three, four seconds for Harden. And then there's the rotations, there's the drive, all that stuff. I mean, eight, nine seconds, whatever it takes for the Rockets to run that offense. If you, if the Lakers have good rotations and force the Rockets to make an extra one, two passes or another drive and kick, that eight or nine seconds becomes 12, 13, 14 seconds. If you force the Rockets to take six, seven seconds to bring the ball into the front court instead of three or four, it just it shortens the number of times you have to rotate, you have to be in the right spot on defense. I think that's a simple thing the Lakers could consider, is have you know Rondo or Caruso apply a little ball pressure in the backcourt. Or maybe even make someone else bring the ball into the frontcourt besides Harden, because you know they're going to get it back to James to start their offense. All these things shave time off of what Houston can accomplish. The game slowed down a little bit in Game 2 uh, uh, compared to Game 1, which is hard to believe because, again, the total was was 226 in Game 2, uh, and it was lower than that in Game 1 because the Lakers just weren't playing well in the second half in particular. But the game actually did slow down. You saw more set pieces on the offensive end from both teams. Uh, total in the first game was uh, 209. So it actually went up. What I'll tell you right now is that the 209 from the first game is actually probably a little bit closer to what the expected final number is for this ball game coming up tonight. I've got it somewhere in the 214 range, 
as or 214 to 216 as opposed to 226. And so I like the under in this game. And I also I like the Rockets, unfortunately. I wish I didn't feel that way, but you know, they were within 8 points in that last game and I don't know that the Lakers role players could possibly shoot the ball any better. I think both teams play better defense. I think the role players on the Lakers in particular take a step back. I think you see the role players on Houston likely take a small step back as the Lakers' uh, closeouts a little bit better. You might see more James Harden. You're probably going to see too much Russell Westbrook after the uh, after he got clowned for the, how poorly he played in the last ballgame. Um, I like Houston, and I like the under. Probably the under more, even, if you're going to go in that direction. Here's what happened yesterday. Uh, on the the NBA the the NBA landscape, Boston beat the snot out of Toronto. Do I need to go into a long thing on this ball game? I don't even know that I do. Freddie Van Fleet at 18 for the Raptors, and that was about as close as they came to someone having an okay ball game. They were awful, awful. Ibaka turned his ankle. He's questionable for the next ball game. Uh, Ananobi finally had a poor shooting game. He he tried his best to keep them within striking distance for about a quarter. Uh, while getting offensive rebounds, but that wasn't super helpful. Kyle Lowry was oddly disengaged. I saw some theories floating around on Raptors Twitter that basically by playing their starters like 42 minutes the last couple of ballgames to get back into it, they just kind of ran out of gas in this one. I don't know if that's true. Funny thing is, offensively, Boston was only like pretty good. Jason Tatum finally had a slow ball game. Uh, but Jalen Brown played better. Kemba looked better in this one. Daniel Tice was very good. You know how we feel about that situation. Uh, Boston likes what they've got there. They went heavy on their usual s- five in this one with a, a you know nod of the cap to Brad Wanamaker, who played 28 minutes off the bench. He got the, the whatever you want to call it, the Gordon Hayward minutes in this one. Uh, but it was mostly Jalen Brown and Kemba. Those two guys had 48 points between the two of them. And then, you know, Tice 15, Tatum 18, Smart 12, that kind of stuff. Uh, Boston just shot the ball better, and their defense was awesome. Toronto couldn't generate any open looks on the offensive side. I'm, I'm, gen- I'm, I'm truly concerned that Toronto might have sort of fired their last bullet. They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs for the ballgame tomorrow, but we'll get into that a little bit more on tomorrow's podcast. Just from a, a basketball standpoint, this was a beating. Toronto was never really in it. Second game yesterday was more interesting. Clippers beat the Nuggets uh, 113-107. This was a ball game that the Nuggets were... uh, They were competitive the whole way through. Clippers just outplayed them late. Um, Nikola Jokic got Ivica Zubats in foul trouble, which is something we figured would happen pretty much throughout this series. Jokic... I mean, I think what I said was, look, if Jokic can go to work on Rudy Gobert, who, yes, he has lost the step, but this is a defensive player of the year type then he's going to just annihilate Ivica Zubats, and he did. Jokic had 32, 12, and 8, and frankly should have had more. Because Jamal Murray, you got bad Jamal in this ballgame, and you know I'm sure Pat Beverly's going to take the credit for that. But at the same time, uh, Beverly only played 21 minutes. He's on a minutes restriction. This was just you know Beverly out there to annoy Murray, to try to get him off to a slow start. And we've seen that when... When you can get Jamal Murray off to a slow start, he has a lot of trouble getting it revved up partway through the ballgame. He's sort of an, he's an on or off kind of guy. 
Michael Porter Jr. played better for the first time in a few playoff games. Gary Harris has been really, really helpful for Denver. Jeremy Grant was quiet. Paul Millsap was quiet, but he has been the whole playoff so far. So, I mean, in this one, they just, you know, they needed more from Jamal Murray. That, that's what it ended up coming down to. Clipper side, Paul George woke up. He went 12 for 18, had one of his better shooting games. Kawhi was solid, 23, 14, and 6. And then they didn't need much from the other guys. Marcus Morris had 12. Lou Williams had 10. Uh, Montrez had 11. This was, uh, this was a battle of superstars, and the Clippers superstars prevailed. What I do like going forward, and we'll talk more about this on tomorrow's show when their next game, Clippers and Nuggets' next ball game is coming up. This game finished 113-107, and there was really only one factor in this game that pointed to a potential for more points, and that was the Nuggets only taking 10 free throws in the ballgame. Most of the Clippers' fouls were non-shooting fouls. Uh, Jokic high turnover count. He had seven Clippers had 17 turnovers and the Nuggets had 10 steals. So pretty good number of live ball stuff at the next, you know, I'm looking at the next ball game and I'm saying, look, this is another series where the tempo is slowing game two slower than game one game three slower than game. Two. It's, it's moving in that direction. And if you wipe out the live ball turnovers, and the Clippers shooting 55%. Although we've seen, with the way the Nuggets play defense, teams can shoot 55% against them. But everything to me is pointing to an under in the next ballgame between these two teams. And, and again, we'll go into a bit more detail on that uh, on tomorrow's podcast when their next game is coming up. Amazingly, that's about it. Uh, the only news we mentioned, Serge Ibaka turning his ankle. The only other news is that Will Barton is actually now apparently trying to figure out a way to get back into the bubble. Supposedly, he has not yet ruled out a return in this series if the Clippers and Nuggets can go deep enough. Uh, of course, you know, with, with no travel, they're playing every other day. So it does shorten these playoff series a tiny bit in the amount of time that someone like Barton might have to get back in. Not that he would... I, I mean, that's not going to make a big difference anyway. Dude hasn't played in forever. Uh, Gary Harris has actually been able to get revved up quicker than I would have expected. Barton would be helpful. That's for damn sure. You could throw him in there instead of this sort of languishing old Paul Millsap, and that would be useful for them. Probably open things up a little bit more, but I don't think it's happening. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath on that front. Uh, speaking of holding your breath, that would be something you could do underwater. You know what else you can do underwater? You can manscape with the Lawnmower 3.0 with waterproof technology in the latest iteration of Manscaped's signature sideburn trimmer. It's waterproof. It's got a built-in LED. It's got a 90-minute charge. And of course, as always, it is pinch-free. Go to manscaped.com. Coupon code is HoopBall20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Again, that coupon code is HoopBall20. HoopBall20. HoopBall20 is the promo code. Make sure to get that lawnmower. We love working with these guys. Great company, great product. And they have other smaller stuff too if you want to check that out. They've got a, a ear and nose hair trimmer. They've got uh, standard blades for traditional shaving if that's something you'd like to do for, you know, shaving your, your cheeks or whatever you're working on. Face cheeks, you sick puppies. Uh, they've got a shaving mat you can put on the ground. It's actually designed to look like a newspaper, which is kind of fun. They've got powders. They've got lotions. They've got boxers, swag, whatever. Manscaped.com. Coupon code HoopBall20. 
I can't wait for another day of playoff basketball. I really can't. Um, games are actually a little bit later today, I think. We're back to the 3.30 and 6 p.m. starts here on the Pacific Coast. 3.30 and 6 p.m. Uh, again, looking at the games tonight, no real feelings on Miami, Milwaukee. Lakers, Rockets, I like the Rockets, and I like the under in that game, which I know is a weird pairing because you'd figure if the Rockets are keeping it tight, then it's not a super high score, or it would be a high-scoring game. I actually feel the opposite. I think the Lakers are the team that's trying to push the pace and and sort of break up a Houston-packed paint situation, get their looks easier for the role players, and get you know driving lanes for LeBron and AD before Houston can, can pack all of their small guys in because that's the only way they keep the Lakers away from the bucket. Meanwhile, on the other side, I think the Rockets prefer the half court because they know that with Harden, they can get what they want whether they're moving quickly or slowly. So the Lakers want to try to chew clock on the defensive side. They want to run on the offensive side. The Rockets, I think, are going to be sending a lot of guys back to prevent transition. Rajon Rondo, actually, you know, for all of his warts in Game 1, he did a really good job of getting the Lakers into transition stuff in Game 2. A lot of that, the live ball turnovers. That stuff is coming down. I, I, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking hard at the under in that ball game. So we'll see. We'll see. That ball game's still eight and a half hours away. Uh, game one, Miami-Milwaukee, only about uh, five and a half hours from now. And that is your show for this lovely Tuesday, folks. I know, again, these, these shows are a bit shorter right now, but we got no fantasy to talk about. And until they tell us when next season is starting, we can't really plant our flag in a schedule or a plan going forward. Big thank you, by the way, to our buddies over at VEASAN. Vegas Sports and Information Network. Uh, my good friend Gil Alexander had me on today. Again, Tuesday mornings, you can go check out the replay of a numbers game. That's uh, Gil's show. We talked about these games from a betting standpoint as well. Uh, and then again, if you're if you're into the betting stuff, which I know we're doing a lot of that right now, Today in Sports Betting is the name of our sports betting show. If you want to be a part of our team, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. That is it for real this time. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow morning, same time, same place. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.